Well, this is part two. I'm on my way home, so I might as well just go ahead and do that part two of uh, when I was at the fitness conference in 2014. Uh, let me see what I missed out on. Okay, I was going to tell y'all about the funny shit that happened. So, everybody went off and left me. I don't know how it happened. I guess I, I was asleep. Nobody woke me up. I didn't know where to go and what everybody went to. But I know everybody was gone. So, I got up from bed, got dressed, you know, done the daily routine. Um, went to the lobby and, you know, started checking my mail and and I called one of my friends named H, quote unquote, and he said that he um they was all somewhere at this place taking pictures, and I didn't, I wasn't feeling it. It was at, it had came to a point where I was ready to go home. I had been there for a couple days and shit. So I said he was like, "Where you at? You want me to come pick you up?" I was like, "No, I'm cool. I'm gonna stay right here. Wait for y'all get back. Tell me what happened." Because basically, I only went there just to see the contest. I didn't want to see nothing else, really. I was Gucci on everything else, for real. So, they come back, and um, a lot of people start complaining and telling me that they can't get inside of their hotel room. For some reason, I cannot remember for the life of me what hotel uh, suites that we used. But it was a four-star hotel. Okay, nice hotel. So, when we find out, when everybody finds out that they cannot get into their hotel room, we're freaking out. They're like, what the fuck is going on? And we're uh, asking Neil what's going on, and he was like, well, I don't know, I'm going to have to go talk to the hotel manager. So, everybody goes into the um the lobby area where I am and I'm seeing there's some dudes over over on one side of the room he freaking out one dude crying one dude went to the um the desk went to the reception desk started halfway cussing a nigga out cussing this white dude out I'm just looking around like what the fuck is going on? Like, everybody's having a fucking meltdown because they shit got locked up in, in the motel room. And I told them, I was I stood up and I said, I don't give a fuck if I don't even get my shit. <laughs> Everybody started laughing at me. It was like, you always laid back and cool about every damn thing, ain't you? I said, sure is. I said, I think me, Neil, and everybody else up in this motherfucker should bounce. We don't pay no goddamn bill. <laughs> That's what I, I was dead ass too. I don't get no fuck. He was like, oh, okay, you must not brought nothing important. He's like, some people, they left their testosterone and they left they this and that in the room. And some people got their cell phones left in their room. I'm like, I don't go nowhere without my cell phone. So, sooner or later, Neo called all of us into the conference room and he explains the situation. It had something to do with some checks had bounced. I don't even know what it was. It might even not even been checks bounced. All I know something happened where the hotel didn't get their monies and he had to wait 
you know, for some type of money to come through. And it finally did. The money came through. But the shit was funny as hell because they let one room, they let like 10 of us go to one room and 10 went into the other room until everything was squared away. And everybody was talking. And I can't remember this. I think this dude's name was uh, Justice. And he was fussing and bitching and complaining about everything that had went down. It was like, dude, just calm yourself, man. It's going to be all right, man. I'm like, y'all need to take y'all testosterone shots for real, for real. It ain't even all that damn serious. Then I picked up a water bottle. And this dude, he going to start acting all crazy. Oh, don't pick that bottle bottle up. You going to have to pay $5 to pay for it. Like, damn, y'all. Y'all stressed out. And that was the first and last FTM conference I've ever been to. That shit was wild as fuck. But I've heard many stories about that first conference. I don't know what to say. All I know, I had a, the only time I had a really good time was when I was at the contest. And when I met uh, Marquise Wilson. You know, to me, Marquise Wilson is like... I don't want to say like I idolize him, but he's like the first... Well, one of the first black men of color. I don't even think he's, he's half black, I guess. He's Cuban and black. Well, a man of color that, you know, was around my age, that transitioned. So I kind of followed, you know, him in the ballroom scene and stuff like that on YouTube. And I knew who he was. So I was happy to meet him, first and foremost, out of all, of, all of everybody that I met there. I'm really appreciative that I met him. And the next day, and I was happy to meet Neo too, because this dude, he put this conference together. And it was so cool to have this type of idea and bring it to life. That's what I want to do for uh, Queens for Kings. I'm dead ass. I want to do the same type of meet and greet, but for us on a larger scale. And when we got done uh, with the conference and everything in the hotel, Neo let me sleep at his house. We went there, you know, we had a couple drinks, and I went and I started talking to a couple of the guys, telling them exactly what my plan was in order to get top surgery in California. And a lot of those people, they was like, I didn't even think of that. So you can kind of say that I'm one of the first people that started this trans man uh, migration. I'm not the, the first one that did it. I'm going to tell you that. The first one that did it, as far as I know, was a guy that I met on the, on the men, FTM men's room in 2008. And he's basically one of my mentors. And his name is Ant. He is the guy that told me about um, how he was going to go to California 
and try to, you know, get his uh, surgeries and shit together. And I was like, okay, hell yeah. I got to do the same thing. And he was like, you get, you got to get out of Illinois, bro, because they don't do no type of insurance. You go over here, you go to Kaiser, you start working, get your own insurance. And I'm like, what? And it seemed like to me, everything that was going on in Illinois was just bad. Everything was bad. Me and my mom wasn't getting along. My sister was acting up. She old, old OCD about the bathroom. And I'm just ready to get up out of that, man. I'm trying to live my own life. I'm just tired of being this disabled-ass dude. Living under the under the under uh, your mom's roof and shit. And you can't do nothing about it. So I took a leap of faith. And at this particular time, it was going to be like a month before I decided I was going to go ahead and go to California and do what I had to do. Dead ass, I was going to do it. A lot of people say I was crazy as fuck. They would never, or uh, what I had went homeless to try to get surgery. I guess they don't, they never had the, uh, the type of dysphoria that I got. That's the only thing I can say about that. Or they just can't tough it up like I can. It's some people, they, they they ain't built like me. Some people can't do what I do. You know? I'm a type of dude, I can adapt to any type of circumstances. No matter what it is, I can adapt. The only problem was, the reason why I went homeless because of my sickle cell. But I went out there, I found three jobs quick. I got an apartment within a month in uh in Oakland. I was doing the damn thing until I got sick. But anyway, I'm getting way off topic. So yeah, I told my friend Ace of what I was gonna do. And he said, okay, I'll think about it. Because he said he, you know, he got a lot of dysphoria and he don't know what to do about his own situation. I was like, I, I understand what you're saying. And he said, you, you know, I had my top surgery, but I still feel like I'm um, not complete. And he said, I really want to go ahead and get that bottom surgery done. And I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to go down there to California and my dream is to really help other people get surgeries as well. So I was hoping to set up shop to be able to help some of the guys once they got to California if they wanted to come if they could come live with me, you know, work, we have a place together and then we, you know, split the rent. So, what ended up happening was, which I found out was so weird, um, me and Ace, somehow we, um, I think we found each other on Facebook again. And he was like, did you really go to California? I said, yeah, I was dead serious. I said, I gotta, I gotta leave, man. I gotta get out of here. And he was like, 
are you in California now? Like, where are you at now? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm right here in Oakland. He said, bro, he said, I had some really bad dysphoria after you had uh, left. He said, I've been struggling for a lot, and I'm ready to go ahead and have that, have that bottom surgery. And um, I'm living in San Francisco right now. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, I, I moved. He said, I, I uh, sold my house. And I moved out here. And um, I'm homeless right now. He, I said, what? He said, um, you know that guy, Ant, that you always keep talking about? I met him. He's out here in San Francisco, too. And I'm like, yeah, I said, I, I, I heard that he was out there, but I don't know where he is. You know, he don't have a Facebook, so I don't know how to contact him. He was like, yeah, I, I think he said at one point he lived with him and whatever he had. You know, some stuff was going on with that. I don't even really want to talk about it. I'm just going to let that go. But um, I was hoping that uh, he would come and live with me. But the thing was, I had already had a bunch of roommates. You know, I was living uh, in the old folks' crack crack house. That's basically what it was. If uh, y'all want to hear the story about that, y'all listen to Crackhead Terry. And y'all would understand what I'm talking about where I was living. So I said, you know what? I want to meet up. I'm going to get you some food. We're going to talk. Chop it up. So, I uh, worked at Ross on Market Street. He came and um, chopped it up with me for about an hour. I said, "Bro, you want you hungry? You want something to eat?" So we went and we went to uh, I think it was Carl Junior's, and I bought him some food or whatever. And he was telling me straight up, he was like, "Bro, I can't believe you out here working with the sickle cell and." I said, yeah, I said, man, it's hard, you know. It's like sometimes, like, I get fired because I be having my flare-ups and shit. I said, ever since I've been in California, I've been having a sickle cell crisis. He said, if I was you, I would just do what I'm doing now. And I said, what you doing? He said, just go homeless. He said, oh, these shelters will take care of you. I'm like, bro, I don't want to do that. I said, I can, you know, I've been working. I've been making, like... It wasn't that much. I was I was making part time. I was making like under thirty five hours. I said, you know, I can pay rent. Everything cool. And he said, Are you taking care of your business though? Like, are you taking care of um, your insurance and, and uh, getting um, your surgery together? Because that's the most important part. Like from what you told me. That's the main reason why you came out here and you haven't had it yet. And he was talking to me and I'm like, he, he damn right. Like I had been out there for like maybe like six months. Yeah, I, I think, no, maybe it was like three months. Yeah, it was like three months in Oakland and I had really hadn't, you know, got my shit together, but I had called Dr. Satterwhite and I had, you know, I was about to get, have a pre-op appointment in April. So I wasn't really worried about it. I was just waiting. But everything he told me ended up coming to fruition anyway. He said, you should leave 
And it was two people that told me this shit. That's what make it so funny. Two people told me this. First it was Ace, and there was this Mexican guy. He uh told me I should, you know, do that because he said he had a premonition about me. And what ended up happening was I got so sick that I ended up having to quit my job. And I went on the FMLA. And whoever don't know what that means, that's me like a family leave. So I went on family leave for a long time. And I really never even went back to work after that in California. And I ended up in a shelter up until the point I had my surgery. Which sucks. Because I did like my job. I was working, you know. I was getting things done. But, you know, sometimes you you can only do what you have to do. And that's what I, I mean. Like, I know a lot of dudes, they be complaining about what they can't do. I don't want to hear it. Because if I can do it, anybody can do it. If you got to move, abrupt, abrupt your whole situation, uproot yourself from wherever you at, you need to do it. Because, you know, even like some people that lives in Chicago and everybody be talking about this black on black crime and this and that and the next and how it ain't no jobs in Chicago, then fucking move. I said it, fucking move. Sometimes where you was born is not where you need to stay. Just like my mom. My mom, she um, she left Mississippi because there wasn't no jobs out there. This was back in the what, 70s, 60s, 70s. You don't get paid worth for shit. So she went to Chicago to live in the south suburbs. That's where you get the money at. That's where you get the teacher certificates and shit. You know what I'm saying? Do what you got to do. So what that's all I gotta say for today, man. Peace.